So my friends, often I get asked how it is that I pick the sermon topics that we're going to do. And sometimes, as is the case today, it happens because it addresses a need that, that more than one person in our congregation is struggling with at the time. And, and so one of the things that's, that's been on my heart all summer is that we have quite a few people across the life of the church who, who had expectations that something was going to happen. They, they wanted it to happen, and then something changed, and it didn't go the way that they wanted. And a couple weeks ago, it was late night, I was, I was watching TV, and I think God spoke to me pretty clearly because um, the Karate Kid was on, and I remembered how what I wanted to happen was to marry Ralph Macchio, and... <laughs> I ended up with Pastor Sung. And, and so, so here we are. God did a good thing. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's pray together and we'll study the word. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. We pray that even when things don't go the way that we want, that we would do something good with it. In your name, amen. So in the book, Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day, there is a little boy named Alexander, and he's like eight or nine years old, and he is having a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. It seems like nothing is going the way that he wants it to go for this day. He was hoping to buy a brand new pair of sneakers in a certain color, but they didn't have that color in his size they did have it for his two brothers. He got into a scuffle with one of his brothers and he fully expected that mom would take his side, but she didn't. They were gonna have one thing for dinner and they ended up having something that he didn't want. It was just one of those days. And sometimes that happens where things don't go the way that we expect or the way that we want them to go. And sometimes that's very little things, like reaching for the coffee creamer in the morning and discovering that the carton is empty. Sometimes it's very frustrating things, like going to the DMV, expecting to get something taken care of, and finding out that you only have 144 of the 145 necessary documents for that to happen. And then sometimes it's really big, really heavy stuff, like expecting to travel with your spouse in retirement and instead losing them to cancer in their 40s. So how do you handle it when things do not go the way that you want? Some of us respond with anger. And we never seem to learn that, that when we respond with anger, we only lose even more and we gain absolutely nothing. Passionate sports fans understand this because they've probably experienced it on some level. You go to a game, you watch your team, your team loses, how do you walk out of that stadium or ball field? Well, all of us have, have witnessed those overzealous fans who are so enraged. They come out and they're, they're just angry and they look like they're gonna punch something and they're cussing up a storm. Has that approach ever, once in the history of sports, ever changed the outcome of a game? Absolutely not. 
So to get angry in response to something that didn't go your way is only going to expend energy and emotion and give you nothing in return. Anger does not achieve the righteousness of God, and when you realize that, it will loosen its control on you. Another approach that some of us take when things don't go the way that we want is that we quit. This, this is exactly what Cormac was talking about in the children's sermon. You just quit. Just walk away. Well, here again, that approach guarantees that we're never getting to the destination we're looking for. If my expectation is that I will learn to do a cartwheel by September, do not hold your breath, and, and I go out and I try it one time and fail miserably and then quit... Well, come September, I will not only not be doing a cartwheel, but I will also be a quitter in the process. There is a component of time that we have to consider when things don't go the way that we expect or want. And that's especially true when it comes to prayer. First John reminds us that God answers our prayers when we ask according to his will. So if I pray that I will wake up tomorrow morning as a bazillionaire and that doesn't happen, the temptation might be to say, well, that's just not God's will for my life. You're right. It's, it's not. But especially because nothing in Scripture would lead us to indicate that any of us are going to wake up tomorrow morning as bazillionaires. So it probably wasn't our best idea to pray for that to begin with. But what happens if I pray to God to soften my heart towards my neighbor? And I wake up tomorrow morning and I still hate his guts. Is that my past? Is that God's way of saying, okay, you get, you get to give up on this? When we ask for things that align with God's will, and God's will is for us to love our neighbor, we will get an answer. And sometimes that answer is, wait, wait. I'm doing something. I'm working on it in your life. Wait. And the problem with waiting for most of us is that we never factor waiting into what we want or what we're expecting to happen. And when we don't do that, then we're, we, we are tempted to quit. And so it's in that moment when things don't go our way, we don't get what we want, our, we, we want to quit, we want to be angry, there's something else that we can do. Isaiah says, in that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord, although you are angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation, I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation with joy. You will draw water from the wells of salvation. When something doesn't go the way we expect it to, we can praise God, we can trust God, and we don't have to be afraid. In the chapter that comes right before the one that we're studying today, there's this, this big discussion about the coming of the kingdom of the Messiah despite opposition from forces of darkness. And when that day comes, says Isaiah, I will praise you, Lord. Isaiah confesses that, that he felt that God was angry 
with him. And maybe you felt that way. Maybe something hasn't gone the way that you wanted it to and you felt like God was angry with you. But Isaiah reports that 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 anger got turned away and God comforted him. Well, it's a fair thing to say that God did get angry with the people of the Old Testament. We know this because the pattern in the Old Testament is we love God, we turn away from God, we ignore God, God gets angry, we suffer the consequences, we come back to God, we repeat the whole cycle again. So Isaiah's not imagining that. But we're not Old Testament people. We're New Testament people. And on Jesus, God poured out all of that wrath towards his people right onto the back of Christ once and for all. So the idea that God is angry with us doesn't work. Now, you may have feelings that God is angry with you, and that's why you didn't get what you wanted. And I will always joke with my baseball buddies that God is so angry with the Orioles that they must have done something so bad that they will never win a pennant again on this side of glory, which right now is looking like truth. But friends, there's no theological basis for that whatsoever. Just a nerdy comment from your pastor. But there are things in life that don't go the way that we want, and that might leave you with the impression that God is angry with you, and I'd like to suggest that that's simply not true. First of all, God did not create you to destroy you. God put a lot of effort into you. You are one of a kind. There's never going to be anyone like you. There has never been anyone like you. So God put a lot of effort into you. He didn't set you up to destroy you because he loves you. And we know that he loves you because he sent his only begotten son to die to pay for your sins. So any anger that God might have had, that's already been poured out on Jesus on the cross. Second thing is, God wants the very best for you. You weren't created for mediocrity. It may have been your plan to go to a certain college or to get a certain job, and you end up at your second choice school, which led you to a different career entirely, something that you never expected. That's what happened in my case. You know, guys, I was supposed to be a high school German teacher, but here we are. Often what we think is best for us is not the same thing as what God knows is best for us. God might be disappointed in our actions and our decisions. God's heart most assuredly breaks over our sin, but God is not angry with us. That's already been reconciled. So we can praise God for his boundless and his steadfast love. If you're wondering if God really loves you, you need to decide if you really believe that Jesus died for you. Because if you really believe that he did, then there's no question about God's love. We can praise God for his creation, of which all of us get to be a part. We can praise God for his provision, which may not be what you want, but it exists nonetheless. We can praise God for his forgiveness and for his protection, which again, may not be what you were expecting, but that doesn't mean that it isn't there. We can trust God that God's history reveals that he is faithful. 
Daniel trusted God in the lion's den. Paul trusted God in the face of persecution. Moses trusted God even when his own people didn't. And in all of those cases, every single one, God was faithful. When I was a little girl, we'd spend a lot of our summers at my aunt's house, and my aunt had a pool with a diving board. And it, it was not a high diving board, like, like two feet off the water. But in my little mind and little body, it might as well have been two miles. And I was so terrified to take that jump. Well, what happens when little kids are terrified? Mom and dad, somebody gets into the pool, right? And they're in the pool and they've got their arms out. And that's what my dad would do. He'd get into the pool and he'd put his, his arms out. And eventually I'd jump because that's my dad. And I trusted him. And he's never let me down. He had a long history of being faithful. But even when we do that, even when you take that jump, it doesn't always go the way that you expect it. You get a little bit of water up the nose or you belly flop or you feel like dad didn't catch you quite fast enough. But the crazy part is we all live. We all tell the tale about it. And there's a good possibility that we jump out and do it all over again. So we can trust God that even if things didn't go exactly the way that we wanted it, God's in control, he's got this, and he's got us. And so we don't have to be afraid. Not if, as the scripture says, God is our salvation. And that's really the key to dealing with our unfulfilled expectations. If God is our salvation, that means that we are not our salvation, that our spouse is not our salvation, that the clerk at the social security office is not our salvation. God is. And that means that God's in control. If God's the only one that can save us, that means that God has to have a good handle on the things that are going on around us, even if we can't see it clearly. Things get very messy when we try to save ourselves because I think that's a lot of pressure on us. Imagine that, that you're having a heart attack and your only hope for survival is yourself. No pressure or, or anything, but how many of you are really going to be able to stand in the middle of your kitchen, cut yourself open, perform open heart surgery, and save yourself? If you could save yourself from drowning, then you wouldn't truly be drowning in the first place. So if God is our salvation, then God's in control and we don't have to be afraid. Isaiah says, with joy you will draw from the wells of salvation. That might not make a lot of sense to us, but to the Israelites, they got it. These people were desert people. Even now you look at Israel and you see this, this vast area of, of arid dryness. And those original Israelites, they, they were people, they spent 40 years roaming around in the desert. So imagine the joy that they would have felt any time they came upon a well in the desert. That's the kind of joy that Isaiah has about the confidence of God's hand in our salvation. When we're confident of God's salvation in our lives, we can walk boldly forward into life even when those unexpected or unwanted things happen. The unexpected can, can feel like the desert, like you're roaming aimlessly in the middle of nowhere because you're not where you anticipated that you would be. And the desert is disoriented because 
when you stand in the middle of it, it's really hard to figure out where you're going. But then the well appears. And you begin to see that joy that God has created for you. This could be as simple as showing up at your favorite restaurant, expecting, wanting to have lunch, finding it closed, and then discovering someplace new. But it could also be as complicated as losing your spouse far too soon and having to navigate life in a way that you never expected or anticipated. The healthiest way for us to go about all of these things, even in the face of anger or frustration, is to praise God, trust God, and not be afraid. When we do that, what we discover is that God makes possible what we thought was impossible. And he reveals his grace and love to us in a way that we just didn't expect. Let's pray together. Lord God, um, there are people in this room, in this church, whose life is not going the way that they expected it to or wanted it to right now. And all of us have stood in that place and all of us have felt that anger and frustration. And so we pray, Lord, that, that you would reveal your grace, your mercy, and your plan for all of us who are standing in that place right this moment. We pray, Lord, that, that you would show us that you have not abandoned us, you have not left us, and you are most certainly not angry with us but instead you want the very best for us, that you have created us with a purpose and a meaning, and we place our trust in you. In your name we pray. Amen.